1: All right, Sean, let's get started on the mailbag. Well, all right, so I'm going to pull up one that we already hit on earlier in the show. Stephen, if you haven't, if you didn't listen to our first portion, someone else asked about Peyton Bowen, or actually was Stephen one that asked about Peyton Bowen? I can't remember. Was it Stephen?
2: I think so.
1: Okay, all right. Well, if anybody is just hopping in then and wanted to know the status of Peyton Bowen, we think Peyton Bowen's solid at this point. We'll see what happens, but we we we, we do think that the... Performance the defense just had is, is a good sign for that recruitment. We know that he is active with the other recruits in the 2023 class still. So that is a positive sign, obviously. And I think seeing Kyle Hamilton the Brandon Joseph and kind of how they developed safeties at Notre Dame, I think is going to help them. So that's just a quick recap of what we saw. What we believe is kind of the standing with Peyton Bowen. So Sean, another recruiting question. It doesn't, it does have to be recruiting questions just so you all know, but if you want to throw in the recruiting questions, of course, we are the recruiting guys. So, we, uh, we would absolutely have no problem answering some of these questions. So we had ba- uh, Bass and Domer. Sean said Jeremiah Love is supposed to be in attendance at the Marshall game. Correct. So yes, last time I talked to Jeremiah and his family, the plan is to be in, the, in attendance for the Marshall game. We've talked a lot about this on the board and on the show as well. So his mom has not had a chance to meet the staff at Notre Dame. He's not had that chance because the first time she couldn't get off of work when he took an unofficial visit up to Notre Dame, he went with his dad second time his mom was recovering from COVID. So was not able to come on the official visit. So the plan as of right now is that this is kind of the last piece of this recruitment. I believe Jeremiah and his family is hoping to get up to South Bend for the Marshall game this Saturday And if it goes well and he is able to make the trip, then I wouldn't anticipate this one going much longer, but again, got to close the deal. But as of right now, yes, he is scheduled to be in attendance for the Marshall game. And obviously Sean, he is a big player for Notre Dame right now. Top offensive player left on the board for them. The running back out of Christian brothers in another St. Louis guy, man, you can talk about St. Louis guys. There's another one in Jeremiah love. So
2: absolutely. And like you've been talking about, eh hey. Big-time game-changer, Christian Brothers, St. Louis Pipeline. They continue. And I want to tell everybody, look, if they get this kid, it just bodes well for the 24 kids coming out of St. Louis. They're watching. Yes. Ryan Wingo, uh, all the other kids, 24, 25, they're taking notice. You know, and that's why this is – you know, this is why – the Keon Kiwi recruitment stung because you wanted to start getting big time players out of the South and establish a pipeline. They established a pipeline in Texas. They've done a good job doing that. They already have one coming from California. Now they have one coming from St. Louis. They've done a good job establishing somewhat of a pipeline for the state of Michigan over the last two years. And so Florida was one of those other pipelines you were looking to establish. Now you have to dig in and do a little bit more work, but you know, Notre Dame being a school that doesn't have a true recruiting home base in the state of Indiana or fertile home base, shall I say, because there's still some really good kids that, you know, Tay Tay and Mm -hmm. and Miles from the state of Indiana, but, you know, moving forward, You have to get guys like this to continue to build the pipelines that are ultimately going to lead the South Bend and make us a championship program. So, yeah, big, big day and big time to have him on campus for that weekend.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Sean, we had one that was directed for you. So we just talked a little bit about the Illini, the fighting Illini of Illinois. So Irish Shytown town asks, Sean, how do you think the Illini are going to do this season? So, Sean, do you have a, a season prediction for them? Like, how do you how do you think the season is going to kind of finish out for a
2: Baseline, I think they're a 500 team, one game over 500 type team. Uh, What's that about seven wins? I think they can get to seven wins, and they can have a... For them at this point in the development of that program, if they can sneak out, if they can have a win, like going up to Penn State and winning on the road and not have bad, the game Friday is a bad loss to me. They're a better team than Indiana. That's that's a bad loss. You control that game for 58 minutes, should have been up more points. That's a bad loss in my opinion. But that's the type of loss you get when you're trying to build your program. It's like, yo, we might not be able to walk into the horseshoe and win, but we can't lose this game. And I don't think they're to that point yet, so that's why I say seven to eight wins is would be a respectable season season and an improvement, in my
1: opinion. I, I think they should just move Isaiah Williams back to quarterback. I think that's what they should do. Oh I know he started as a quarterback. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Who else are they going to go to? S- Sikowski? Oh, Artur Siskowski, man. Former oh. Rucker's great, Artur Siskowski. <laughs> well, he's the backup. It's like, no. Yeah, yeah. And they need to get someone in the pipeline there quarterback-wise, man. It's not – we talked about this before, but, like, they haven't had a real – I mean, I, I would consider Juice Williams a good court, a good college quarterback, but, like, they really haven't yeah. had somebody since him. You know, it's it's just – yeah, it's not been, great, not been great. Yeah, I know
2: there are a couple of Catholic school kids, sophomore, juniors. They're pretty good quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the Chicagoland area, and hopefully, they can land one of those guys. There is no JJ McCarthy, right, type on the radar, but there are some solid guys. Yeah, red, and I think if they get those guys, they'll they'll be okay.
1: I wanted to answer this one from Salty Virginia Peanuts. He just asked, "Can I buy some IB gear, but have it sent to Archer and Ladarius?" salty you can buy as much gear as you would like sir all Absolutely. right go to go to irishbreakdown.com go to the the merchandise store send it all over man you just you need to message archer and Ladarius separately though to get to get their uh get their sizes and their yeah. addresses and all that good stuff but man you can do whatever you want this is a free country sir and uh we will not push away your business so if you want to do that please feel free but appreciate it uh this one looks like Sean, let's answer this one, right? So it's from Miltonfan15. Question: it, um, Ar- Armel Mukum who is the defensive end that is committed to Notre Dame, that was just committed out of the out of the state of Virginia. I know he's a high ceiling, low floor guy, but what's your guys what, what what's your gut say? So, Sean, have you seen much of Armel at this? point? I have, I have. I have really
2: I'm, I saw the question. question and I started thinking about Ah, Ogden Daisy. just as far as the makeup, long yeah. arms. You know, development type guy, but I think he's a little bit more explosive than Adi was coming out of high school.
1: Yeah, I think I think he's considerably more explosive than Adi. Yeah. But like the length perspective, yeah. I could yeah. see that. I could yeah. see that body type, man. He, uh, I think he's going to be bigger than Adi though, too, man. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I, I think he's a legit two fifty something right now, and I think he could be two seventy. Like he yeah. is, he's a power plug, man. Like yeah. he's, I, Milton fan, I. I honestly think that Armel Mookum is going to surprise some people at the next level. I do. I think you have to be patient with him. But if we're talking a long-term outlook, I think he could be a good player. I do, man. He's explosive. He's 6'4", 250-plus pounds right now, long arms, and he is physical. He's a really physical player. So I wouldn't even put out a question. I know they're looking at him as a strong side defensive end, but I wouldn't be be crazy to think that maybe he's a three technique down the line either, man, because like he's just Big kid, man. Like, I think he's going to be pretty big. So, I like Armel Mookam. I'm do. going
2: to step out on a limb, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say this offseason, Notre Dame's going to get an impact player on the interior. Do you think, think so? I think they're going yeah. to get a transfer. I think they're going to get a transfer. Oh, an impact player on the defensive line. I, I really do because I'm looking at what possibly is coming out and still having the young guys like Onye and Ford in there and then the recruiting class coming in, I I think they're going to go out and find an impact player to come in right there and kind of just solidify things until they get the Justin Scotts and those type of guys coming in in 24. I I really do. I think that's one of the spots. We can talk about Howard Cross, Jacob Lacy, all we want to. Like, the effort they give, yeah, they're going to look much better against Marshall. Yes. And they're going to flash much more against Marshall and Cal and North Carolina than they did against Ohio state. And shout out to, oh, that, uh, left guard, the five-star offensive guard that made his first start for Ohio state. Jackson. He's going to be pretty good. He's going to be pretty good. He's going to be pretty good. You question him being a youngster, but it's like, okay. They have a good, And, and that is, you know, the next step in the evolution of Notre Dame's defense is just getting studs on the interior you know i'm talking about studs with size to them like just coming in at 310 like just stop is hitting campus at 310 like yeah we're not trying to put weight on him we're not trying to find out how much weight he can put on and still play fast no he's fast and quick at 310 let's go so that's the type of guy that notre dame needs next
1: yeah, I mean they definitely need to start adding some size. I mean, like yeah. Howard Cross had that sack that was really nice, and he's he's a good football player. But I mean, there's just some limitations there. There yeah. is. I mean, yeah. he's listed at 276 pounds. I'm here to tell you, it's just <laughs> my opinion. There's no way he's 276 pounds, in no. my opinion. But no. he's he's done really well for what he is at Notre, Notre Dame. He's is. an undersized yeah. interior defensive lineman that plays incredibly hard and in New Jersey great as well. Sean, so we always got to shout out the New Jersey Greats, man. So, yeah. Yeah. yes, but interested to see. We had this one. Uh, Jay Henry asked any news on Jade Love. Jay, we just kind of started out the segment, obviously, with this, but again, we think he's going to visit for the Marshall game most likely, and then we'll, we'll, I think we'll get a verdict on that one pretty soon afterwards. So, just to reiterate that real quick, we had. We'll stick here because we were just talking about Mookum, who's a strong side defensive end in the 2023 class. We have Michael who said, well, Notre Dame get a true edge rush and Viper in the 2023 class. Sean, I've been pretty consistent on this. My answer is yes, I do. I don't know who it is going to be, and I think that this evaluation period that's happening in September right now as far as the the high school players is going to be a big step for that. But, I mean, we're seeing the board – Expanding recently, pretty recently over the last few weeks, yeah. I think that they are eventually going to get a viper in this class, a true like you know long explosive type of end, not a strong say defensive end. I just personally don't know who it is right now. I don't think I don't think the 700 100 knows who it is right now either. If I'm being quite honest. And look, they have three big time college football
2: playoff meaningful games on their schedule they just played one the clemson game will be another one and if usc holds up their end of the bargain because we expect notre dame to hold up their end mm-hmm. that will be the third one so when you have three big games like that it is a showcase yes. to not only with 24 kids but to the 23 kids that are unsigned and getting ready to make a commitment in december when you hit november with those two big games That's that's a huge stage for recruiting. Like, yo, here we are. And that's the opportunity to get a Samuel and Pimble on board, get some other guys on board, and make an impact. So, like you said, I agree they will get someone. But, you know, evaluation period and everything, we'll start to learn more about the guys we start seeing coming to games and getting on campus, who they're targeting, Mm -hmm. and then we'll move forward.
1: So Bill Walsh asked a question, read that Nicholas Harbor had a tough game this weekend. Any chance to get in play with him? Bill, no, I, I don't think so. I, I mean, look, they, they Notre Dame offered him pretty early. Notre Dame took their shot with him pretty early. I just don't think there's much interest from Nicholas Harbor's perspective. So yeah. it's just, yeah, not a not just not interest in there right now. And I, yeah. I, I think that we're in a stage where it's going to be tough to try to generate interest. And Notre Dame's not on them right now, either for being honest, yeah. like they're not calling him. <laughs> like it's just, it, it, that ship has sailed at this point. So that ship sailed several months ago for being completely honest. So um Sean, we had a question directed at you from Antoine. Antoine said, Sean D what are your thoughts on the bears moving out of Chicago? As far as the not playing games in Chicago, is this a thing? Is this a thing? Oh
2: yeah, the Bears are revealing their this week on Wednesday. They'll be revealing their new stadium to be built in Arlington Heights. So yeah, it's it's huh. it's it's a done deal. You know, there's clamoring from fans to get a second team in Chicago to play at Soldier Field. I don't the the Cowboys don't play in Dallas. <laughs> the Rams don't play in Los Angeles. They play in Inglewood. That's- the Giants and the Jets don't play in New York. I mean, like, who cares where they play? Like, it's, this is historical. Like, oh, man, you got to play on the lake and the snow and the monsters of the Midway. And what has it got? Nothing. Yes. It's time for the Bears to have better facilities. And what they're going to reveal, because I have gotten some information, what they're going to reveal is literally going to be their own. It's almost going to be their own town on this municipality uh-huh. like arlington heart uh arlington heights horse track which was a nationally known horse track had been shut down uh for about a year and a half they bought the property which is massive massive so literally you're talking about a retractable dome uh, from what we're hearing you're talking about hotels and restaurants surrounding. That are theirs, right? It's their own village, it's their hotels, it's their restaurants, along with investors, parking lots right next to the metro station that runs from the city. Like this is going to be a financial bonanza for this ownership and the Bears. Now, this is the key. Ted Phillips, longtime president, who pretty much has run the financial side of Chicago Bears. Fans lament over his decisions to be involved with players and how that's gone. Mm-hmm. He's retiring. Okay. He's announced that, look, this is his legacy. I've brokered this deal. I've got the new stadium. This is my legacy. He's getting ready to walk away from the day-to-day. And this new stadium and the financial financing that it brings is going to be what he's known for. Now, I start to think that the clock is ticking for the Hallis family to sell. Because now your value is about to go through the roof. You have your own stadium. You're able to attract the Super Bowl now. And you have all of these businesses surrounding this, and you're your own little town, your own little Bears town municipality. Mm -hmm. I think the clock is ticking now. We're going to see the Bears, the Hallis and the McCaskies, really contemplate selling the team. Probably wow. in the next five years. So
1: yeah, it, it is. That, that would be that would be monumental, man. It that's, would That's, be. that's and crazy. Things are changing, but
2: what better time to sell than now? Like,
1: true. You, yeah. you don't sell when you don't have your own stadium, right? No one, and, and like, there's going to be a lot of a lot, lot of bidders too with excitement over that move, too, right? So, like, absolutely. yeah, I mean, there'd be a, there'd be big there'd be a big demand in yes. that market right now. Like, that's no one point. was would seriously buy
2: that team when they don't have their own stadium and they have to deal with a ridiculous lease with the city mm-hmm. of Chicago, right? And the park district, like, that's not attractive now, it's an attractive sale. So, that's really what's going on. And it doesn't matter. Like, if, if you got – if Bears fans are stuck on having games played in Chicago, look, it's 2022 in the NFL. Look around. Half the league doesn't play in the city. That's true. That they're named for. It's
0: – just move on from that. A,
1: a lot of them do man. You're right. I never – like, I I've, 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 I know that, but, like, I've never, like, truly, like, sat down and, like, thought about how many don't play in yeah. the city that no they're no named, you city. know? It's, yeah. It's crazy. Well, we yeah. had someone that, that wanted to follow up on this, Sean. Matt McCarthy says, Does the staff you use... oh, I'm sorry. Whoops, that wasn't the one that, that does nothing to do with this conversation. Here we go. It's from Irish Shy Town. What do you think the city should do with soldier fields? Burn it. That's it. That's all you got. <laughs> oh,
2: God. Ryan, look, yeah, I wouldn't buddy. I wouldn't want my son's high school team to play on that field. It's yeah, so it's that bad.
1: It's that bad. Horrible.
2: Yeah. And when you have a city. That is unwilling to invest in a professional field for its professional team that makes yeah. the stadium. Even no one's going to care about Soldier Field now. It's just a nice piece of history to look at as you drive down Historical Lakeshore Drive.
1: That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all it is now. It's empty. Yeah, yeah. And there's really nothing. It's just like. Do- It's just like a historical landmark that's kind of gone past the Yeah,
2: It's legally designated as part of the Chicago Park District, right? Yeah. So they're not about to destroy it. Right. I don't think. Or maybe it gets sold and maybe it becomes part of Tiger Woods' new golf course that's going up. Who knows? But, yeah, for me, you can burn it. Just burn it. Get rid of
1: it. Sean, you know what that reminds me of now we're talking so much about Chicago? I will be in Chicago in four days, sir. Four mm-hmm. days till I'm in Chicago. And I might go to Wrigley that day. I don't know if I told you that, but the Cubs play that day. So I might go to Chicago.
2: You can burn nah. it
1: too. Well, I've never seen Wrigley, man. So I got to no, see Wrigley. Oh, no seriously? Or you burn seriously.
2: it. You're going to have a great time. You're going to have yeah. an absolute amazing time. And this is the great thing about Wrigley Field the Cubs stink. Yes. And you're still going to have a great time when you go to the
1: ballpark. Well, I found I found like uh I found third baseline seats for like thirty something bucks, man. I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> give me that. <laughs> give me that. Yeah. Hey man, it's yeah. like what we went up to Boston a few years ago. We just toured Fenway, you know, like Brigley's yeah. one of those places you just gotta see, you know, it's yeah, a Yankee I Stadium. I agree. Like, like well, yeah. the old Yankee Stadium.
2: Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Well, um, you're gonna have a great time. All yeah. aside, you're gonna have a great time.
1: Nah, man. I'm looking forward to that. So the one that I did hit earlier, I believe, and let me just make sure I didn't skip. To, yes. So Matt McCarthy asked, and I just want to make sure I didn't miss this one for Matt because it's the one I accidentally pulled up a minute ago before, before as we were still talking about Chicago. So Matt says, does the staff view Peter Jones as a tackle or guard? Is it the latter? Could they be a holdup on why they haven't offered Ian Moore? So Peter Jones, offensive tackle in the 2024 class out of Malvern prep in Pennsylvania. I believe Matt, and I haven't talked to the staff about this, but I think that they view him as an offensive tackle that could also play guard. So I Mm -hmm. think the plan is to start him out at offensive tackle. I think the hangup with Ian Moore, who's at a new, new Palestine is I think how you pronounce it out of Indiana. Mm -hmm. So he is a, top 150 graded player by a couple different platforms, offensive. he's plays offensive tackle in high school, but he is definitely a guard at the next level. There's no doubt. Like I think Peter Jones has a chance to play offensive tackle, but could also be a very good guard. I think Ian Moore is going to be a a good guard on the college football level. I think the hangout for me, Matt, is that Notre Dame wants to make sure that they get true offensive tackle types, for one. Yeah, They don't have a lot of spots, two. And three, I think they just still want to do their research on Ian Moore, if I'm being honest. like I think they they like some parts about him, and he's been on campus already, and, and there's a big, big interest. in Ian, Ian Moore has big interest in Notre Dame. So I think that if Notre Dame chooses to offer him, and he is a take, that Ian Moore would be in this class pretty quickly, if I'm being completely honest with everybody, right? But I think that the staff is still figuring out exactly what they want the offensive line board to look like, right? Because okay. they've only offered four players. Those two – Kyle Altooner and Gerby Lambert out of Massachusetts. So I think they're still doing their, their due diligence on the evaluation part of the, of the 2024 class. So I don't think they're going to force the issue. I think there's only going to be about two to three offensive linemen in the 2023 class most like probably three uh, 2024, excuse me. But, and I, I just, I think they're trying to wait and see a little bit on Ian Moore right now. So, but we'll see. I think Ian Moore is a good player though. I, I would, I, if I'm Notre Dame, I would keep, keep close tabs on him. So, and I, Brian, I think
2: fans are going to have to get used to the transition of recruiting at Notre Dame and how it's going to be different than probably 10 years prior, yep. specifically on the offensive line. And well, Notre Dame is not about to just, you know, just take guys
1: mm-hmm.
2: that they normally would take. Like guys that are like, yeah, I want to come. Okay, come on, like we're seeing guys that want to come to Notre Dame and Notre Dame is like, you know, we're still evaluating, you know, we're going to take our time. And and that's that's leaning more towards the SEC model of how patient Alabama and Georgia is in their recruitment and not just jumping out on guys specifically that are Alabama kids or Georgia kids, unless they're just like Jalen and Bakwe, you know, it's just (laughs) like You know, I'm ready to come. And then it's like, oh, yeah, you definitely come on. So you talk about the evaluation of Ian Moore. And I talked to someone uh, on the recruiting side nationally that said, look, Notre Dame has to realize that their program is so good that they should view or go into the process saying there are only 70 kids to 75 kids good enough to play at our school. That might sound rash or harsh. But literally, that is kind of the model that Nick Saban uses. Like, look, there are really only about 50 kids that, that are good enough to play here. So I that's
1: why, that's why have a board, man. That's why yeah. you make your
2: board. You know, so we're going to fully evaluate these 50 kids. We don't have to go outside of those 50 and waste our time evaluating other kids. We're locked in on these 50. Dig deep and go hard. And let's get our 20 kids or our 25 kids and let's move on to the next year. And so, you know, yep. I don't know what the number – it would be interesting to see what you think that number is for Notre Dame because I don't mm-hmm. think it's probably the same as Georgia and Alabama or as low as Georgia Alabama right now. But I right. do think it is below 100. You know, it's like, okay, we have these 80 guys. That's, you know, they always evaluate – Because someone might pop on film or they might find out about a kid late. Mm -hmm. But just off the top, in any particular class, there are really only, you know, a very few amount of kids that are good enough to play football at Notre Dame. If you're trying to win a national championship.
1: And, And I also think that the 2024 offensive line group in general looks a little underwhelming early. So I think that they want to see what the maturation looks like. I want to see what guys take a big step forward and do all that oh. type of stuff. A l- little more context. Archer just put in that Ohio state is pushing for Ian Moore, very hard crystal balls already coming in for him and a lot of talk of him joining the class soon. So he, I mean, again, I think Ian's a good football player. I think he would be a good gift for anybody. So yeah, we'll, we'll see how that one kind of ends up. I want to pull up this comment. Cause it was funny. Bill Walsh said, man, Harry Heestand looked great on the sideline. Guy looks 20 years younger, LOL. And, of course, the LOL comes in because they mistaked Matt Bayless for Harry Heestand during the game when they were talking about him, which was fantastic. I thought yes, that was hilarious. Yeah, it was really funny, man. I was like – because they kept talking about Harry Heestand, Sean, and they kept, like, closing in on Bayless, and they just kept talking about it. I'm like, oh, wow, they really think that that is – that's Harry Heestand. They really think that is. Well, wow, okay. Cool. The things they were saying about him. Yeah. Kind of applied.
2: I'm like, well, if you change the name, Matt Bayless is, has been that important to Notre Dame. That's
1: fair, man. It's very fair.
2: The last few years. But yeah, that's, that's on the spotter. That's, that's on the spotter for the camera. Like, yo, that, that's on the spotter. You know, the guys upstairs, they only say we, we have them. We got a hairy shot. We're about to go to the yeah. hairy shot. Go ahead and talk about he stand.
1: So, hey, man, it, it was it was funny either way. And, and honestly, we're, we're still talking about it days later. So maybe, <laughs> maybe the cameraman made a good decision. I don't know. But it was funny. We're going to go to great questions today. By the way, we're rolling through these ones pretty quick. We won't last a ton longer because I didn't really lead off with this, but I'm not feeling that great today. So we're, we might not have a four hour show. Right. But Mark Avalone, Avalone. Mark, I don't know how to pronounce your last name, but please put it in the chat so for next time I don't butcher it. With Notre Dame transfer portal limitations, of course, that meaning that if it is a undergraduate transfer, it is tougher to get into Notre Dame and recruitment of higher quality players that might transfer for playing time. How can Notre Dame deal with it? Will students uh, Dean Dean oh, sorry, will student dean adjust their stringent rules? No. I can yeah, yeah. like immediately, yeah. no yeah yeah no. yeah, and this is
2: well this is why I made that prediction right mm-hmm. because we are in because of the COVID year yeah we are in a different time with guys that normally would have to make a decision like man do I go to the NFL rather than staying at a place that I want don't want to be to now saying well I do have this extra COVID year. You know, and I've been here an extra year and I've actually graduated. You know, I'm a graduate. So now let me go ahead and go and get another year to improve myself or go, you know, play with a different quarterback. That's going to make me look better for my NFL evaluation, a la Charlie Jones or Burton going to Alabama. You get yeah. to those situations where kids, because of the COVID year, a little bit further along academically. And now they're making that decision rather as as a graduate rather than an undergrad. And I think you're going to have some examples of that. You know, this might be the last season of it. Cause I Mm -hmm. think this is, is it next year? That's the last group that's really going to get that COVID year. So it would be,
1: so 2020 was the COVID year. So anybody that was a freshman in 2020 or older had the COVID year. So 24 groups, so yeah, it would be the 2024 group. Yeah. Well, technically, so 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, 20. Yeah. 2024 season would okay. be the last year of the COVID yeah. extra eligibility. Yeah. yeah. So, so got a couple more years, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Sean, cause like, you know, I do like the NFL draft stuff, right? Yeah. There is multiple seventh year seniors out there that I've yeah. evaluated. And there is a, there is a kid. For Northern Illinois, I think it's, his last name is Pew. I think his first name is Kyle. I could be wrong. Eighth year senior, sir. He's been at Northern Illinois for eight years because he had like double red shirt. Well, one one was a medical red shirt, had a regular red shirt, and has had the. Uh, I, well, he may have had two different red shirts. I don't cool. know. Anyway, he's going into his. He's in his eighth season right now because he also got the extra year for COVID. So. Cool. Crazy, man. He was a 2020 – he was a 2015 kid. 2015? Yeah. <laughs> He's still in college, man. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy stuff. But, so, yeah, what, yeah, just
2: look out for the coaching changes and, and programs that might be struggling. And yes. You know, you start hearing about players wanting to leave, like, late October, November, and you'll start seeing, like, okay, these are guys that might be available you know, come yes. off season. So it should be pretty interesting. Like the Kobe year makes it crazy interesting. I know Illinois has a couple of six-year guys, six, seven-year guys. Yeah,
1: yeah. Al, Alex, the right tackle is a six-year yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah they, they got some six years. Yeah, yeah. so it's,
2: this Kobe year has made college football very, very interesting.
1: It also makes Ryan Roberts very upset. I don't want to talk about myself in the third person, Sean, but I had a couple of players that I did full evaluations for, for last year's draft. And yeah. then they ended up going back to school for their sixth year. I'm like, come yeah. on, man. I yeah. was done. I was yeah. done. It was written up. There was a grade. Everything was done. And yeah. then that happens. Like, come on, man. Why don't. Uh. Come on, nobody cares about me, Sean. I just can't. I can't deal with it, man. I can't deal with it. Great question, though, Mark. One thing I would add to what Sean said because I agree. I don't think things are going to change. I think to avoid this, the latter of this about transferring for playing time, right, or just transferring in general. If you win football games and you run a really good program, like I think Marcus Freeman can, then there's going to be less transfers. There's always going to be some because, like you said, there's going to be some people that are just kind of buried on the depth chart for playing time. But I don't think it's going to be a major issue at Notre Dame. I don't. And I think good programs are figuring out that, like, you don't have to do the – did you know Clemson didn't have a single player that they took as a a transfer this year, Sean? Not a single transfer player. I saw it during a game. Yeah, they were the lowest ones. There was like two – well, it was funny. They were one of four teams of four colleges that did not take a transfer this offseason. The other three were the military schools. So yeah, obviously that's a little bit of a different uh, transition into transferring to an army or a Navy. Right. So good question though, Mark, really appreciate it. Great, great question. thought I had a super chat. Yeah. Here's a super chat. I wanted to make sure we got up Christopher Morgan. Thank you so much for the super chat. Christopher just got back from Columbus this morning. My next game I'm going to is Clemson in November. What well, you guys have a tailgate definitely was awesome. Ohio state's lowest score since I think 2018 OSU fans took me for beers. Oh, that's nice. Glad to hear, Mar- uh, Christopher, that they were nice uh, first and foremost because I know we had some concerns over what what the uh, what the level of uh, of of being a good host might be for that game. But it's nice to hear that you had a great time. Yeah, lowest total I think in four years or something like that that Ohio State scored twenty one points. Sean, so I mean, yeah, uh, Christopher, I believe that there is an a a plan to do a tailgate. I'm sure that I will probably be in attendance for that game because that is going to be Notre Dame's biggest recruiting weekend of the year by far. So I'm sure that I'm going to try to talk my wife into going with me for the weekend and bring the baby with me, hopefully too. But I'm sure that I will be in South Bend for the Clemson game. So yes, I, I believe there will be a tailgate. If there's not a tailgate tailgate, I'll be around if you want to hang out. So I'm, I'm sure I'll be there for the Clemson game, though. I'm sure, I will. I concur. You'll be at Clemson's game too, oh. Sean. Oh yeah, okay. write it down, man. Write it down. It's gonna be a big game. Obviously, losing to Ohio State is not great, but um, I yes, I I that's a big. It's gonna be a big football game, biggest game of the year now. Irish Chi-Town. I wanted to answer this one real quick, Sean. Does anybody know how Sean Styers is doing? Of course he was hospitalized for a heart issue. So, um, Irish Chi-Town, we, we mentioned a little briefly on the Saturday show, but Sean Styers is home recuperating. Everything's good as of now. So thank you everybody so much for the the consistent prayers and thoughts that were thrown out to Sean, who's obviously dealing with the heart ailments. Pacemaker was put in. Uh, I think that that's public knowledge and, uh, I, I, he, apparently he is doing a lot better. So thank you all again, so much. Really appreciate the continued support and prayers on that end. If you want to continue to do that, please, you know, just ha- keep me in your thoughts because I mean, he's doing a lot better now, but it's still a little bit of a road, right? So, but thank you all so much for the, for the kind words and the prayers. We really do appreciate it. Only a few more left here, Sean. So, Let's go to Rob Lobo, one, two, three. If, if the offense doesn't look good the next few weeks, does Freeman think about giving the play calling responsibilities to someone else? How hard is that to do in the middle of a season? Sean, you want to start with the crack crack on that one? No, <laughs> no. I mean, he's,
2: he's just not look, we. <sighs> cause I, I, you know, I don't want to cause problems. If you haven't watched the show Vince and uh, Brian did yesterday, go watch it, right? Because you overreact emotionally to the game with the offense in the second half. And then they go and show you things and you start to say, look, um, one thing jumped out to me, right? Tyler Buckner isn't ready. Mike, He has a Michael Jordan mentality pre-Phil Jackson right now meaning that Michael Jordan trusted himself. Like, of all those fails, give me the ball. Phil Jackson got there and pretty much implemented a system that was like, yo, you're going to use and trust your other teammates. And from that system, now you start to see Scottie Pippen get much better. Let's go to the first drive. They get the big play to Styles. They get four yards from Estimate on the next play. And then they come back and just execute poorly a run play to Logan Diggs to where they hike the ball and Lorenzo Styles is still coming in motion. I don't know. You, are you supposed to be cracking on somebody? Block. I know you're not trying to block anybody on the interior on <laughs> the defensive line. And the play is just like horrific. And then they go to third eight. And they motion Tyree out of the backfield. So they have the screen option to him to the left. But then they have no safety in the middle of the field, one-on-one with Michael Mayer. Three options. And Tyler Buckman option that he chose, well, I'm going to run the quarterback sneak. It was like, that's like, give me the ball. No, kid. You have two of your best players that can get the ball in space, man to man, make a man miss and make a big play, or Michael Mayer one-on-one with a six-foot safety, and he's six five. Just let him go up. And catch and it's like we saw that again. He had the option on another play on that drive, that last drive, the second to last drive. Chris Tyree once again runs out and he decides to. And they pointed out I don't know, the play. No, the offensive pass interference play. This goes uh, to decision making. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Salerno so comes across. He runs a wheel route that they eventually he eventually throws to. Once again, it's zero coverage. Brayden right. Lindsey has proved proven he can run by their defensive backs. Yep. He's one on one on the outside to the other side with Denzel Burke, who he's beaten already and you choose to throw the ball to Matt Salerno. Like, this – these are the things where, you know, it's like, you know what, this really isn't Tommy Reese. Like, that's what you want. That, yeah. that matchup is what that, you want. But
1: so, – Yeah, I, I don't want to cut you off, Sean, but you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, that part of it is – and I, I was very critical of Tommy Reese, you know, like I do not think that he called a great game. I no. don't, I don't, I don't, even, I don't no think All right, that that's too hyperbolic. He did not call a good game, right? Yeah. Like it was not, it was just, it was a bad call, poorly called game in my opinion, but that particular play, which was kind of a, the, the, I mean, I know people keep talking about like that, you know, the touchdown to the slot, you know, to, for, no, for Ohio state to take the lead 14 to 10, but like that, play for me Sean was really where the nail was in the coffin because Notre Dame was driving and then they get that stupid offensive pass interference call and then it's first and 25 you know like that would put you in such a bad spot but to your point that's a Tyler Buckner decision right like that was a bad decision on his part so while Tommy Reese needs as like you can you guys like seriously I'm this is my fan speak for a second you can blame Tommy Reese, right? Like you can. You can you can be very critical of him right now, 100%. Right. He didn't call a good game. There's no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. But on that particular play that you're talking about, that's a quarterback decision. That's a quarterback that's decision. Right? Yes. And again, first career start, I think Tyler Buckner is going to be a really good player at Notre Dame. I'm not like moving off of that at all. Yeah. But that particular play was not Tommy Reese's fault. So no. that was that's a, a bad decision, decision by a quarterback.
2: Yeah. yeah. at a key point in the game where you have an opportunity to come down and take the lead you're in their territory like your quarterback has to be be able to identify and Ryan we're not talking about like a disguise or anything it's like literally everybody's right here he's man to man like that should have been as soon as I hit my back foot on my drop
1: that's that's a that's a pre snap indicator, man. Like if I see the look and I'm just like, oh, I have one on one outside. Okay, right. cool. Let's take it. Yeah. So I, again, that's that's not Tommy's fault necessarily, no. right? No. I mean, there was definitely some calls where it's just way too conservative. Didn't love the play call. No doubt about it. But that yeah. play in particular, yeah. that's not a Tommy Reese issue in my no. opinion. That's not a Tommy no. Reese
2: issue. No. And there were about three to five plays where you could say, okay, that's that's Tyler maybe choosing. The wrong option there instead of getting the ball to the playmakers and let things happen.
1: We had someone that asked kind of a little bit of a follow up ish. So we had number one Notre Dame fan. Is it Tommy Reese's responsibility to make adjustments with the O line or is that Harry Hestand? So it's a great question. So, Harry Hestand is constantly, offensive line coaches are constantly talking to offensive linemen about like, hey, we're seeing this, you need to do this, yada, yada, yada. Kind of adjustments to what they're seeing up front type of thing. Tommy Reese is always going to work with the offensive line coach to understand. It's more about like, okay, Harry, what are we seeing up front? Like our right, three-man front, four-man front. What techniques are we usually seeing? All that type of stuff, right? Yeah. And then that's going to adjust what the what the the type of of run game that you're going to run, what the blocking assignments are and pass pro, like that type of thing, right? Like that's where the adjustments come for. So Tommy Reese isn't going up to an offensive lineman and being like, Hey, you got to work your inside hand better. Like that's not his job, right? But they're working together to understand what they're seeing up front and what the issues are and how we can counteract those issues. Okay. So like, that's what more of the Tommy Reese, Harry, he stand relationship looks like. Like that's definitely during a game. Anyway, that's what, that's what they see. All right, so we're going to go two. That's great. Bass and Domer, how many of these 23 wide receivers will be enrolling in this January? So to my knowledge, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Jaden Greyhouse is definitely going to be enrolled in January. Mm -hmm. Braylon James will definitely be enrolled in January. I am Rico Flores, I believe. Do not quote me on that one, though. I think he may be a January guy as well, but I know that first two are definitely enrolling early. Dylan Edwards, I believe I haven't actually heard about Dylan Edwards. So I'm going to keep that one off the back end for a second. I do not know about Dylan Edwards. So two out of four are definites. And then I think Rico is as well, but we will see, I'll keep you guys updated on that as well. So Notre Dame has some receivers coming, man. They have some receivers coming. Let us now near in the end, near in the end, a lot of great questions, a lot of questions just in general. So I'm going to let you get, get start this one, Josh, Buffo, the motivational business banker, said, "Great House Comp is Julio Jones." Ryan, agree or disagree? I I knew he said Ryan agree or disagree, but I just want you to start with this one because that's a no. That is high praise. (laughs) That is high praise. Yeah, no, and that's not
2: being disrespectful or saying anything about Jaden Great House. It's just no, no. Julio was one of one size, speed, explosion. No, that's not a that's that's an apple to oranges comp. I mean, are there pieces of Jaden Greathouse that I can say, okay, he's taking that from Julio, but just as a comp, I I would I would disagree with that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now he, look, I mean, Julio is about as big as a, a. Height weight speed freak that we've yeah. seen at the off at the wire receiver right. position. I mean, he's up there with Calvin Johnson as far yeah. as like the height weight speed freaks that we've seen in, in the last 15 20 years, right? What, so,
2: yeah, what Super Bowl was that? Was that what number was that when they lost to the Patriots?
1: Uh, oh man, that was I, I don't I, I can remember 28 to three, I can't remember what the actual Super Bowl number, number was, but, so.
2: Julio, you know, because. Bill Belichick has been known for like shutting down the number one. Yeah. You know, on any offense and forcing you to go to your two and your three. Julio Jones did some things in that Super Bowl physically. That is just like that's can't, you can't,
1: can't teach it, man. You
2: can't teach that. You 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 just can't. So I wouldn't even I wouldn't put that on any high school kid coming out like because that comp. <laughs> He's one of one. He really is. Yeah. Coming out of high school, he was one of one. That's why he might be the most important. You can, we might, this might be a great piece of research for us, right? Okay. The most important recruit to a program. Julio Jones might be the most important recruit for Alabama under Nick Saban. He just, because when he went there, Mm-hmm. And you look at the skill position players that came after him. Yeah. He he changed things. He changed things at Alabama and kind of transitioned them from being strictly defense to being like, okay, now we're explosive offensively as well.
1: It's an interesting one. Yeah. I think we should do a show one time, Sean. Maybe we'll do this next week because we kind of have a little bit of a free reign for the second second. The second talking point of the, of these shows, maybe we'll talk about some of the top programs and what the, we feel like, excuse me, are the most important recruits. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting topic, yeah. man. I like that. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that. We'll figure that out. All right. Uh, we had Mark Evelone. What impact did the Ohio state lost have on recruiting Mark? I don't think much. I don't, I don't, I think that we make too much of like the one game impact stuff as far as recruiting wise if it if it's something where Notre Dame has a bad season, then I think it could have a tremendous impact as far as the, the, the winning and the the outcome of some of these football games. Like there's no doubt, but I think if Notre Dame goes 11 and one, 10 and two, they beat Clemson, whatever it is. Like, I, I think that you, I, I don't think this game is going to be like a, a nail in the coffin type of thing. Right. I think it's more about the full season scope that is going to affect it in my opinion. So, and, and honestly, You could also talk about the other side of it. It's like, Sean, like, you don't don't think the defensive recruits that were in attendance were kind of impressed by Notre Dame holding that offense to 21 points? I mean, like, there's going to be part of that, right? So,
2: It was interesting watching the Twitter feeds of some of the 24 kids in particular going into the game because most of them were picking Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. And I was saying to myself, like, wow, like, is that kind of showing how their recruitment is going? With Notre Mm -hmm. Dame, for them to pick Notre Dame, going into Ohio State. And then you saw the tweets during the game and how recruits were impressed by what Notre Dame was doing. And we probably were sitting there as Notre Dame guys like, we should be up by 10. Like, oh, this isn't enough. (laughs) But the recruits, in my opinion, responded favorably Mm -hmm. to the game on Saturday night. And now we get to see – you know, what Notre Dame puts on the field and on tape for the rest of the season and how they fare against Clemson and USC. That's ultimately going to be the telltale for how they finish this twenty-three class and kind of explode going into the offseason for the twenty-four
1: class. Well, I'll say this, Sean. And, and like if Hillary goes eleven and one and they're able to go two and one against a uh, Clemson, USC and Ohio State combined, right? Yeah. Like I I think you're gonna be pretty happy about that at the end of the day. I, I understand yeah why right now it feels the way it does it stings the fact that Notre Dame just lost that football game but I don't think it's the end of the world right like you talked about it with 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 Vince and Brian's show yesterday talk yourself off the ledge a little bit like I don't think it has to be the end of the world right so yeah we'll see we'll see We we started talking about this one a little bit but Archer asked Sean I talked about Charles Jagasaw maybe having an impact early on potentially. Which twenty twenty three recruits will you see the most? We'll see the most playing time as true freshmen. So here I'm going to work through a couple guys, and you let me know who you agree with or if there's somebody you would throw into the fold. Okay, so mm-hmm. I think that Jaden Greathouse will have a role as a freshman.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think there will be at least one other wide receiver that will have a role, whether that is Rico Flores or Braylon James. Or a Dylan Edwards. I don't know. I think there's going to be at least one other wide receiver, though, that can have an impact in the initial season, 2023. Offensive line wise, I think there's going to be some competition that could happen inside. So that's why I think like maybe a Charles Jagasaw, maybe a Sullivan Absher, but I, I would lean Jagasaw. So I think two wide receivers and offensive lineman potentially. Even though usually that's a transitional period. Defensive line wise, I think you're talking about at least one of those defensive linemen needs to come in and play. I'm not saying that it's necessarily definitely going to have to be a Viper, definitely going to have to be a strong side defensive end, definitely going to have to be an interior, but I think one defensive lineman. So pick your poison of the Viper that's going to be in coming in, or it's going to be a Brandon Vernon, or it's going to be a Triori or Devin Houston. It doesn't matter. Either way, I think there's going to be a defensive lineman that's going to get some immediate playing time. Linebacker wise, I think it's going to be pretty crowded. So I'm not going to pick a linebacker. Although I think a Jay Nosberg could certainly play on special teams and do a great job, obviously. So he would impact the game. And then I think Peyton Bowen on the back end is a guy for me that I think is going to come in and he is going to play a lot of football. So those are the guys I think, Sean, I don't know if there's anybody you disagree with anybody you, you would want to throw out there, but that's just kind of what I see right now.
2: Yeah. I think Peyton Bowen is day one. Like, he's dude. the one,
1: right? He's, just he's definitely day the
2: one. one. Yeah. You know, just put him out there, like let him roll. <laughs> And like you said, the interior because of the depth, and there are going to be battles on the interior of the offensive line. I really can't think the wide receiver should come in and, and get off probably an opportunity to play two,
1: two, two to three freshman yeah. receivers. I think will yeah. will impact. Not saying starts, but yeah. will have a role. Yeah. I think.
2: Yes. Yeah, what you, interesting. What you pointed out, mm-hmm. uh, the back, the log backlog, or depth chart at tight end mm-hmm. could make Cooper Flanagan say, you know what, let me let me go play on this side of the ball. Because <laughs> uh, that tight end room for the next Michael Mayer leaves, but, I mean, the two guys they have now yep. are pretty good. And, I mean, Cooper Flanagan could come in and, you know, be the fourth, fifth tight end, but tight end is not going to be the problem but mm-hmm. interior offensive line. And see this is the thing. What we're seeing which goes back to the question we would ask, how did Saturday's game play into recruiting? Right. When recruits see the two freshmen at cornerback mm-hmm. play, mm-hmm. they feel like I got I have a chance. Yes. They play freshman cornerbacks and they mm-hmm. play well. Yep. And now that is going to be afforded to them. Yeah, I, I don't think that stops. I think Mike Mickens is going to do a great job of bringing in a Christian grade and saying, you know what? Hey, you come out here and do your job. You come in in January. We'll, we'll find a way to get you on the field. We'll get you in the rotation. And so they might not be starters, but they can definitely see themselves playing. Yeah. So,
1: and I didn't, I didn't even mention Sean. I mentioned Osbury maybe being like a key coverage player as far as yeah. on special teams, but I mean, you have several guys that are also, I think, going to come in and impact the return game. I mean, yeah. you talk yeah. about Micah Bell as a potential returner, Peyton Bowen as a potential returner, D- Dylan Edwards as a potential returner. I even think Christian Gray can do some return stuff, right? Like all those guys, and they're going to have an opportunity to come in and play. So, were you,
2: yeah. were you shocked? I'm like, what? You know, I was excited to see Brandon jo- Joseph in the return game. And
1: I'm like, what? just got fair catching. Yeah. What are we doing? Like, are you being there, there was this? There, there was a couple where I was like, okay, that's a, that's a close one. Like, a fair yeah. catch is probably a good opportunity. But then there was one or two where I'm just like, man, you probably had at least 10 yards in front of you, brother. Exactly. Like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't. I think that Brandon Joseph is back there more for his great hands than he is for his return ability, which is unfortunate. Um, what we not doing? unfortunate for him because he's doing what he's told to do. Exactly. But he's not – I don't I – don't, we'll see and if he's it changes, so valuable. I, he's, he's so a- valuable defensively.
2: It's like I don't even know why we're chancing it, but if we're going to give up yardage just to make sure that we catch the ball, it's like – I, I would
1: rather see at this point two players back there. And this is just my personal opinion. One is Lorenzo Styles. I would yes. love to see Lorenzo Styles back there because I think he could do it. And the other one, this would probably be a surprise to you, Sean. I would like to see Jaden Mickey back there. Cause I think that he is a competitive kid and he's got a little wiggle to him. And I think that he would actually, and I know he's been practicing at punt return a little yeah. bit too. Yeah. I think he has kind of an aggressive mentality that might be really good at punt return. Cause the one thing about punt returning comparative to kick returning, you gotta be a little crazy, man. It, it's, it's not an easy thing to be a punt returner, but no. I, he's, he's another guy that I would just maybe think about. Um, all right. So let's go to Archer. Just had a quick comment on Jack Smith and Jigba. Good news on the JSN front. He'll sit out the next two weeks and should be ready to go for Wisconsin. If y'all would have blown his knee out, I'm not sure we could have stayed friends. Well, Archer, luckily, his knee is not blown out. It was a it was a good hit, a clean hit on, on Jackson, but more than anything, I am happy that he is going to be back soon. I never want to see a guy lose a season, but even I, if it's to the team I root for. So
2: Yeah, I, I, we talked about it. I didn't think – I thought ABC did a really good job of kind of, you know, letting people know what was going on. Yeah. They said it was – Behind the knee, not in front of the knee or inside the knee. Behind the knee, hamstring, and that's what it was. And the fact that he's out two weeks and he'll come back in Wisconsin, you love to hear that. You absolutely yeah. love to hear that, and uh, I'm sure they'll handle they'll handle business.
1: And and now that I know for sure that Jackson Smith and Jake is going to be fine, I just want to leave this here. Brian Joseph is a Dude, sir. Man, that was a that was a nice shot. It was a nice shot, but I'm glad that he's healthy. Jeff Fluke said, if you could add to choose one Notre Dame jersey to wear, what name would it ha- is on the back, Sean? So I guess this is more of like a favorite player of all time type of thing, right? So you have an answer for this one?
2: I don't do jerseys with names on it.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Not not your so thing. I, I, that'll be
2: tough for me. Now, if you just ask me just flat out, what indie jersey would I wear? Yes. Just, you know with my fandom it would be mm-hmm. twenty five is the most twenty five is is huge for
1: the me. number yeah yeah rocket yeah. and yes
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. twenty five is me I wouldn't put Ismail but rocket on the back but yeah it was it it would be twenty five for me
1: so my favorite players growing up were Tom Zbikowski and Brady Quinn those are my guys so ten or nine Maybe. I guess. sure yeah, Ziddy was yeah. the man dude I don't And again, I know I've talked to Brian about this. I understand that you know he. I understand that he had some shortcomings in coverage at times, all that type of stuff, man. But Zimakowski was such a bad dude, man. I I love that guy. I love. He's
2: that type of dude that you want. Mm -hmm. Like you know his limitations, but he brings so many other things. Yeah, your defense and your team. Yep. It's like okay, we understand the limitations, but the dude always finds a way to make plays.
1: So maybe I would pick number nine then, because then I could have Jalen Smith, I could have yeah. Thomas Mikowski, I could yeah. have Kyle Rudolph. Yeah. Cool. Let's go with nine. Let's go with nine. Nine's a good number. All right. So only a couple left here. So we talked a little bit about CJ reclassifying, not reclassifying earlier. Josh Bufo, the motivational business banker, said, Ryan, Sean, is the main reason for wanting CJ Carter reclassify is because we have... We have another 2024 quarterback we love and mm-hmm. loves us or more of the 2023 class to stay highly ranked. I So for me, so I, this is from, from a staff perspective, right? Cause we know the staff is exploring this option of yeah. reclassification. I think it's more Josh, cause they value CJ very highly and it's, they want to maybe start the process a little bit earlier and they don't have a 2023 quarterback. So I think it's a mixture of things. I personally am not for the reclassification, but it's ultimately not my decision. But I think that it's it's a combination of you want him to get on campus to get acclimated because, you know, we'll see what happens with Tyler Buckner as far as how long he is on campus at Notre Dame, uh, coupled with the fact that you do not have a 2023 quarterback. And I think that's basically the decision-making process for the staff right now for me.
2: It's interesting because you talk about the evaluation period and mm-hmm. – you know, they're looking at guys and they're in on some guys that might be committed or having conversations with some people that might be committed at other schools and other programs at this time. And now that I will say, um, <laughs> if you're a quarterback from the 23 class and you look at that game on Saturday night and you compare that, let's say, you know, let's say you're a commit to Pittsburgh. And you watch Keaton Slovis play. And then you turn over and you watch Tyler Budman play. It's like, mm, okay. You know, you might not be so quick to lean towards Notre Dame and, you know, decommit. That's just an example without putting names out there, you know. So, look, there is no better recruiting resource than your team, your current team. Like, your current team shows everything that recruits want to see.
1: Sean, we got two questions left. I'm going to bang out this next one, and I'm gonna, it's going to end on a question on you, sir. So we should have fun okay. with this one. So we got Adam, who uh, had a couple questions earlier, he said, how would you compare pemba as an end prospect comparative to Keon Keely? So Keon Keely is much more advanced than Samuel and Pemba right now. Samuel and Pemba has played a lot of different positions, so he is not as nuanced as a pass rusher as a Keon Keeley is right now. Keon is also longer; he's about six six, and Pema is about six foot four. So you know, not a, I mean, it's not like Pema's short; has length for his for his size. But I think the biggest differences are is that Keon's a little longer, a little more nuanced, a little more of bend right now for me as a pass rusher and Pemba is a freak athlete though. Like he is explosive. He can convert speed to power. And he has that profile where you could say, Hey, you're going to get some spots at Rover. You get some spots at weeks and linebacker. You get some spots at Viper. Like you can play all over the place. So versatility is, goes in the favor of a Samuel and Pemba upside within Pemba is also very good. But I think Keeley just has a crazy upside, man. Like he's just a really, really talented player. Great length. I think he's the best player in in the nation in the 2023 class. So that's just kind of a quick comparison there. And our last question of the day from Ladarius Martin, a resident Alabama fan, Sean, who is your top five players in the Notre in the Notre Dame, uh, sorry in the in the ND Freeman era? So now on the team, top five players on the team now is that what he's asking? Should yeah. we extend that here? Let's let's extend that, Sean. Let's go back to best fi- top five favorite players since the year 2000. Can we do that? So we'll go back to. Was it Bob Davey 2000, I guess, right? Or is, yeah. So it would be Bob Davey to the Tyra Willingham, Charlie Weiss to Brian Kelly to where we are now. Top five players in the last 22 years, we'll say.
2: Okay. I can actually, I, I can do that and then we can get to that conversation. Top five players. So, yeah. yeah. Freeman Eric just started. So the top five players right now would definitely be yep. Fosky, Joseph, um, Fosky, Joseph, Mayer. Yeah. Remember that the correct pronunciation is mayor, like mayoral candidate, not mayor, (laughs) is mayor. Mayor. Yeah, I found that out last week. So (laughs) Mayor, (laughs) Foskey, Brandon Joseph, and then I will put the two tackles, in my opinion. Love it. Top five players currently.
1: Love it, man. Um, Love it.
2: This is tough,
1: man. Here, let, let me let me do mine first, and then I'll okay. let you finish up with it. All right. So let's okay. do this. My top five players is basically growing up, right, for me. Yeah. So, top five growing up was I already mentioned Zibikowski. Yeah. Manti Te'o would be on there.
2: Yeah,
1: in the top five. I mentioned Brady Quinn. He would 100 be in my top five.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I would probably go. Quint Nelson. Mm-hmm. And Tyler Eifert. that would probably be my top five. That's yeah. Yeah. I was, I was a big Tyler Eifert fan, man. Big Tyler Eifert fan. So that would be my top five, I think.
2: I'm going to go Q Jalen. Manti Ronnie Stanley.
1: Oh, Ronnie. Nice. It's tough, man. I know it's tough. <laughs> Yo, because
2: I really love Stefan to it, man. I'll put Brady Quinn in there. Guys have to have a quarterback. Yeah, have to have a quarterback. But it's, man, it's so tough to leave Zach Martin out. He is like the Zach Martin is like the father of the rest of the great offensive line. Like he he jumped it off. Like, you're not Smith wrong Ward jumped it off and oh by the way was like the best offensive lineman in the NFL for like six years I mean, <laughs> he, he, he jumped yeah. it off
1: so keeping J- Jalen Smith off was really tough for me someone just said um Everett Golson, Torian Folston was a guy that I liked a lot yeah, but uh oh, obviously oh, his man. career did not end the way that we wanted it to with the injuries and whatnot but yeah, Jalen Smith. I, I wanted to get on the list, man, but like, I had to, I had to put Eifert on there as my last guy. I had to. Yeah, I mean, he was just yeah. he's my guy. Love Tyler Eifert. But that is going to do it for this show. We appreciate everyone again for a little bit of the recruiting talk, some college football roundtable, and a little bit of the mailbag for this Notre Dame recruiting hour. If you could please, before you head out of here, like, share, subscribe, hit that notification bell. If you're listening on a podcast, give us a five star review. Really appreciate it. Leave in the five star review. But you think Ryan and Sean are awesome, right? We really would appreciate that so much. Want to thank Sean Davis, of course, for joining me today. This is a lot of fun, over three hours, which is the longest that I've gone without Brian Driscoll on this show. So, Sean, we I think we had a new career high as far as us together here today. But we appreciate everyone for checking us out. Boards at IrishBreakdown.com. We'll be consistently giving you guys great content and intel on the board. So go sign up there today. From Sean Davis, I am Ryan Roberts. Thank you all, and tomorrow I will be back with Brian Driscoll. Thank you all so much for joining the Irish Breakdown podcast.